Good evening, everyone. This is uh, going to be my fifth recording. Um, <laughs> this is the first time I actually pushed the record button before I decided what I was going to talk about. I'm tempted to make today short. I uh, My voice has been a little hoarse. I've had a cold this last week. Uh, so I'm tempted to try to make today's uh, topic a little bit shorter, a little bit lighter maybe. I know we've talked about some pretty uh, hefty stuff the last couple weeks. So uh, yeah, I think today what I'm going to talk about are uh, my my spiritual influences, uh, people who have been important uh, role models, mentors, and teachers in my life, uh, as well as uh, authors that I read or websites, uh, things like podcasts that I listen to. Um, but I try to just go through a, a short. Maybe not, maybe not a very short list of that. So uh, today I'll start with the people who have been uh, spiritual influences on me, who I've uh, respected and looked up to in the past. Uh, I have to start with my, my father and mother, obviously. Uh, my mom and dad are devout Christians and uh, grew up uh, in Christian homes themselves which is not, you know, so unheard of in America. Um, but, but we were, uh, our, both families, I think, were very much church-going. I, I think they believed in attending uh, very much. Uh, my background uh, is in one of the more, uh, I suppose we might be labeled fundamental uh, groups, I suppose you could say that, but I do have one father, one grandfather, sorry. I have a grandfather who was raised Catholic and then converted to uh, a more uh, conservative or evangelical uh, branch of Christianity when he was married to my grandmother. And I want to say he was converted just before he passed away. I think he was probably not, he did, wasn't converted until he was in his 40s, and then he passed away, I believe. Uh, at the age of 45, uh, he passed away very early from heart disease. So here I am at the ripe old age of 46, and I have out, outlived him. Uh, by, but by all accounts, he was uh, uh, very sincere uh, in his Christian life in his last several years at least, and he uh, did a lot of outreach and what they used to call personal work, uh, which basically meant Lay, uh, lay evangelism, probably things like door knocking and handing out of tracts, as it was back in the '60s when he passed away. Uh, and then my mother and father uh, were married. My my dad attended uh, Bible college, although he never attended with the purpose of getting a degree, but but just for the purpose of the knowledge. He never graduated, but he went to two different Bible colleges for. I'd say a total of two or maybe even two and a half years, I'm not sure. Uh, my mom never attended college, but she and my dad were married quite early. And so 
uh, he, he did some preaching uh, in his younger years, and he continues to do it, to, to preach now as well. Uh, off and on, he, I, would have, I would call him a, a, lay, a lay leader. I don't really agree with the, the uh, clergy-laity dichotomy. I don't, I don't believe that's a healthy thing to do, but that's just the, that's how people look at it. He was not a salaried minister, but he always has been a minister, uh, as far as I know, since he was married, in some capacity, whether it's a Sunday school teacher, uh, or he has been a deacon, and he has been a pulpit preacher at times as well, uh, though he never made a career of it. But my dad's influence is, is uh, very strong on me. He still, uh, I, I would call him a, a, an apologist, an, an amateur apologist today. He's very interested in it. He's a, it's his hobby. It's his kind of the, the passion, the thing that drives him to to work on proving the existence of God uh, using, uh, well, really all forms of knowledge available to him, but I would say especially science. He, he, he believes that there is scientific uh, evidence, logical evidence, and that you can logically believe that there is a God uh, using science. And I'm going to pause and i got to buy some food. Be right back after this break. Okay, so I'm back. Uh, I was talking about my, my parents, my dad especially, I think. Um, I can remember times uh, when I was a child sitting down and talking to him about biblical things and, uh, you know, being quizzed and, and really talked to. And it was interesting. My dad had a way of talking things out, not not insisting on his way, but, but just enjoying having the conversation with me, no matter what my level of maturity was. Uh, and so I grew up with a, a appreciation, an appreciation of the Bible. Uh, I can remember memorizing uh, when I was about 10 or 11, all of the books of the Bible. Uh, and uh, the church I went to, we would have speed uh, scripture finding contests in the kids' uh, programs, things like this. I was pretty good at that. Uh, you know, they'd say scripture and verse, and you would have to uh, race to find it. Uh, there was one particular elder who I had the privilege of seeing again not too long ago who was influential in my life. Um, and there have been missionaries. Uh, who I was privileged to meet who were either uh, what I'd call uh, you know foreign missionaries, people who actually left the country and went to exotic lands who had an impact on me as well as uh, <coughs> what I would call kind of local missionaries, people who did uh, work in, in or, or close to our community, or at least inside the United States. And I think my parents would fall into that category as well. They were both, uh, they both had very kind hearts towards children, especially children in need of a home. And so by the time I was, uh, I want to say 13, we had 30 foster children 
stay with us at one time or another. Of course, not all together. Never more than two. I don't. I don't think. Um, but we we worked with the local uh, family services, uh, a Christian family services group, and we we kept lots of foster kids when I was young. And then my parents went into uh, um, child care as a profession for a couple of years before I went to college. Uh, and so they worked in a children's home. And so now I'm in a home with, you know, somewhere between, uh, you know, anywhere from six to 12 other new foster brothers and sisters. And so that was a pretty big move uh, for a while. And then I went to college. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think one missionary stands out who was... Uh, Influential, I mean, and, and the funny thing is I was so young, I don't really remember his name, but every time he was in town, for some reason, he would stay at our house. And this was a young single guy, and he was a, uh, a missionary in Manaus, Brazil. Uh, Manaus is a city in the middle of the Amazon jungle. It's a big city, I believe, you know, probably over a million people live there, but it's smack dab in the middle of the Amazon. And so he would come, and, we, you know, I would sit around the table having dinner with my family and he would join us of course and he would you know tell tell of the the stories and things that were going on in Brazil also had an uncle who was a missionary in Brazil uh, he was in I believe Sao Paulo and, and later Campo Grande uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying those right because I don't speak Portuguese but anyway uh and, you know, I've had grandfathers that were elders and, uh, you know, some people in the family who were preachers, I suppose. Uh, but a very, very Bible-grounded, church-going uh, family that I was raised in. Uh, other spiritual influences... Uh, are going to be people who I may or may not have met personally, but either I have listened to their sermons uh, or I have read their books or both. Um, <clears throat> who to start with? Uh, one person would be Rick Atchley. Rick Atchley is a, or was, I'm not sure his title now. He was a, a preacher in Texas. Uh, and friends of mine who were missionaries here in Japan where I live were uh, sent from that church and supported by that church. And so they introduced me to Rich, uh, Rick, At Rick Atchley's tapes, uh, his sermon tapes. And uh, the for the point that I was in my life, which was right around 20 nine and 30 years old, I think, maybe 30, 31. Uh, it was very important. These tapes were uh, like nothing I had ever heard. And, you know, it's been so long now, It's it's been over 15 years since I listened to those tapes, but I would listen to them as I commuted to and from work. And I was profoundly influenced by them. And this was this was the time of my, I would say, my first 
authentic spiritual awakening. I don't know how else to put it. I was baptized when I was a, a child at 11. And, you know, of course I believed in Jesus from my childhood, but this was, uh, this was around the time when some things happened in my life. Um, that my second child was born and I don't know why, but I had some, some, something that I'll, all I can call is it, call it is a spiritual awakening. And it, what, what it was, was a time when I realized suddenly that the presence of God truly was near me. I can, I can sense it, feel it. Uh, and it brought me great joy and comfort. Uh, and, uh, I think it's, it's the, the time in my life where I finally understood the atonement um, that my sins had been taken away from me, that I had been cleansed, and that was something that was a, a continuous thing. Uh, you know, until that time I would say I had kind of a karma outlook on, on uh, salvation and that yeah, Jesus at my baptism and my conversion took all my sins away, but since that time I had been sinning and, and stacking them up again. And now if I didn't sincerely uh, ask for forgiveness for every single sin, that I wasn't cleansed. And I, I know that was never taught to me to be the truth, but that's what I felt. And so until the time I was 30, I had a lot of guilt. I, I dealt with a lot of guilt from the the unresolved things that I had done since, uh, since I had, uh, yeah, put on Christ, and I couldn't figure out why I still had the same urges and the same yearnings, and I'm getting off track here, uh, but anyway, uh, at the age of 30, uh, I had an awakening, and, and a big part of that was Rick Ashley. Another big part of that spiritual awakening was my a uh, good friend who was a missionary in his family uh, who introduced me to those tapes. He, uh, he was probably the catalyst that made me suddenly realize that as a Christian I had a responsibility to the church and that I didn't need any extra calling. That, that the calling uh, to be a disciple was enough and that I needed to take things a little bit more seriously. And, you know, it's just one time that he put it in a very direct way uh, that, you know, come on, you, you need to step your game up. You know, this is, this is, this is for real, you know, kind of thing. And, and looking back, I'm so grateful that he did. I don't know where I'd been or where I would be today had he not have done that. Uh, and so he had a big influence on my life. So that's another personal influence that I missed in the previous part. Uh, so back to uh, uh, preachers and authors. Uh, I would say, I know I'm missing some people in my youth. Uh, there was uh, another guy who uh, did summer campaigns and we see him for youth rallies. And then he'd come back for a period of two weeks to where our church would do a, a more lengthy uh, kind of outreach campaign that we did every summer and it was basically around the youth and we'd meet every night uh, worship together fellowship together eat together 
and we would uh, learn together as well. And uh, that was the first opportunity I had to actually talk in front of people. And I was given the chance to, to give a five minute, I think we called it a panel. And I can't remember what I spoke on. I wish I, I wish I could. I'd love to have those notes back to see what I was thinking uh, when I was, you know, 17 or 18 or however, however old I was. Uh, and again, you know, yes, I had a bigger spiritual awakening at, awakening at 30, but I was still trying hard at, as a younger man. I, at times, you know, at times not so hard, but I knew, I knew that that God was real. I knew that the Bible was true, and I don't think I ever doubted that. <clears throat> I did have some rebellious times. Uh, between between my teens and my 30s, there were there were some times that I just kind of gave up, gave up trying to trying to live right, uh, and allowed the world to kind of come in and, and take priority over my spiritual life. Uh, all right, I think that's all the personal personal. Um, references I'll make at this time. Now on to some authors, uh, which, funny, most of the authors I have were, were I was influenced, uh, how am I supposed to put this, let's see, some of the authors that I read and have been greatly influenced by were introduced to me by personal people, and every time I think of an author I remember who introduced me and I realize I've missed a personal reference. Uh, I do have an uncle who is uh, actually an uncle by marriage. My, uh, He's married to my mom's sister, who gave me a book one time. He was, he was doing some mission work uh, in his retirement in China. And he came through and stayed with us in Japan on his way to China, which was, which was a great thing. I had not seen him since I was a kid, I don't think. Uh, and he gave me a book one time. And I knew that he was kind of doing some different things with... Uh, um, house church in China that the, the, the things he was involved in were kind of underground um, churches um, churches that were not labeled that were secretly meeting in people's homes <clears throat> anyway he hand me, handed me a book one time and it was called Reimagining Church by Frank Viola and, and he, he wrote a little note in the front cover and just to sum up, he said, "This guy's pretty pretty far out there, but uh, but you may you might just find him interesting or something like that." I can't remember exactly what he wrote, but he was right. I, I read that book and it pretty much rocked my world. And I remember reading it first couple pages or, or chapters, and I was very skeptical. It's like, "Wow, are you kidding me? There's no way." But as I read, uh, I started to realize that, you know, he was right. And basically the premise of that book was, this is what the church is doing. You think that it's doing it because it has to, that it's necessary. But in fact, many of the roots of the practices of the current church are not at all found in the Bible, but are found elsewhere. Uh, and therefore, I, I, I think, I mean, this is how I've always taken his writings on church, on ecclesiology, 
uh, was that therefore you have the freedom. You have the freedom to do things differently. And if you can do things, if you have the freedom to do things differently, why not do it? Why not try something different in your context in order to have a better impact for Jesus? Sounded pretty pretty good to me. And so I read that book and then went back and read his first book, which was called Pagan Christianity. Pagan Christianity, which is a book co-written by Leonard Sweet, I believe. No, sorry, George Barna. Uh, Pagan Christianity is co-written with George Barna. Uh, and so I read those two books and then on to a third and a fourth. And, and I really think I've read, I, I'd like to say, 90% of the, of the books he's released. Uh, there's one book he released this year that I haven't finished yet. Uh, but I, I really think a lot of him. So... Frank Viola, I would say, is probably the number one author, aside from the authors of the Bible that have influenced me. Uh, another, another book and another person that influenced me it was a, um, a book called Church Planting Movements, which chronicled a church model currently being used in parts of Asia. And I think now you could say it's being used all over the world. Uh, I believe it was pioneered by Southern Baptists. I might be wrong about that. But basically, uh, that book was introduced to me by another missionary friend, a different missionary friend, uh, who had invited me to study about, about this type of church model. Now, he was a missionary in, a, in an institutional church at the time. Uh, now he's a preacher, actually. Uh, but he introduced me to this idea of rapidly multiplying churches. Uh, kind of on a cell, not cell church, not to be mis, uh, misunderstood as cell church, but on a cell level, just like cells multiply, one cell becomes two, two become four, four become eight this kind of a church model where churches purposely split and new cells are created um, not to be confused with cell church which is a similar model but uh, a little bit different in its leadership structure uh, so that was uh, another thing the, the idea of, of rapidly multiplying churches which is still is very very intriguing to me and very interesting uh, all right, so that was Frank Viola, and, and I, I'm even uh, on Frank's uh, various mailing lists. I've listened to lots of his sermons that I've been able to find uh, on his website, um, which I believe is still called Beyond Evangelical. And also he has a... <clears throat> A website now called the Deeper Christian Life, uh, Deeper Christian Life Network, uh, which I have joined and am on that as well. Uh, and I, I have been able to reach Frank from time to time for questions that I had uh, on various things. And he he is uh, 
I think he he's the the single person that influenced my ecclesiology or, or what I believe about the church the most. Uh, but also he he uh, is now writing more about what he calls the deeper Christian life. So a lot of his books now are are on deeper uh, theological subjects and things like this. Um, especially the Eternal Purposes, which I just finished uh, three podcasts on previous to this one, uh, on the Eternal Purposes. That in, that idea was introduced to me by Frank Viola, uh, which is which is very significant. Um, and I hope that I hope you were blessed by that as well. Uh, and that that when I read his book From Eternity to Here, which is where he lays out the eternal purposes. That moment was also, I believe, the, the beginning of a new spiritual awakening for me, closer to 40 years old, 38 to 40, somewhere around there. That that was a, a huge leap forward for me as far as understanding just what God is doing in the world. Uh, but I've already talked enough about that. Uh, so that's Frank Viola. I highly recommend uh, his books. Uh, next... I would go to, I'm not sure which way to go because there's a lot of people kind of in the camp of Frank Viola and Organic Church and things like this. Uh, I've read a book by John Zenz that I liked a lot. Uh, but I think I'll go to N.T. Wright next. N.T. Wright is really the second author that I've read extensively. And, and when I say read extensively, I may have read eight or ten works of his, but he has over 60. <laughs> so I have a lot of catching up to do on N.T. Wright. But N.T. Wright is the, I believe, a current prophetic voice. And he is reaching people in every corner of Christendom. I've never witnessed anyone like him. Someone where, you know, he could be quoted by a Catholic today, a Pentecostal tomorrow, a Presbyterian the next day, uh, and, you know, a Baptist the next. Uh, everybody seems to claim him and love him. And he is a, he is a, a very vocal voice for the evangelical movement and he he is especially adept at revealing the flaws in evangelicalism today and he, he still claims to be an evangelical uh, he is of the Church of England a, a, he's been a bishop and he's also been a lecturer at Oxford and Cambridge and various places uh, but his books, uh, now which one? Wow. It'd be difficult for me to pick one. Simply Jesus is very influential. Uh, a recent one would be um, Simply Good News. Uh, he has several series of books. Most of the books I've read on his. Unapolog unapologetically are his 
more accessible works. Uh, his uh, deeper theological books, his uh, uh, more academic works. I am currently trying to read one, and and uh, I have finished another one that was on audio. I'm not sure that counts. Uh, I know people just disagree with me on both sides on that, whether listening to audiobooks counts or not, because you can get through it uh, very passively in an audiobook where it's more difficult to read passively. Uh, but the way he he opens up scripture, the, the way he sheds light on scripture and ties things together is phenomenal. Uh, his his uh, eschatology, for example, really blew me away. Another big thing um, where, where he talks about the very simple idea that going to heaven, the idea of going to heaven uh, is, is not found in scripture. I know it's a big thing to drop on some people, but uh, you might want to reconsider what's going to happen at the end of times. Uh, look into it, and if you have questions, please post them at the bottom, and I'd be glad to have a conversation. I'm, that's not my current topic to get into, so I don't want to get into it too deeply. I will, uh, God willing, um, broach that subject at some point. Uh, but his... His works are amazing, and I think especially uh, he's known for his perspective on Paul and the idea of of a fresh perspective. Uh, I think is is uh, mostly attributed to him. There are of course many new perspectives on Paul, but his is interesting. I think the biggest thing that he taught me uh, through his books was to be sure not to take Paul out of the context of Jesus. Paul can be read on the surface and really misunderstood if you don't first take into account Paul's deep understanding of the person of Jesus. In other words, if you don't if you don't read Paul uh, while respecting his his deep faith and belief in the Christ then you're missing it. And so I, I would even recommend that before you read Paul, you be sure and ground yourself in Jesus. Not taking anything away from Paul. But I think Paul, because he was preaching to, uh, speaking to and writing to Christians, uh, he, he, he had already seen that they have especially in the churches he planted, that they were well grounded in Jesus. But Paul's works taken out of the context uh, of Jesus are, are, can, can be very legalistic and, and be taken, uh, taken completely wrong ways. Uh, so that's uh, Frank Lloyd, uh, sorry, <laughs> Frank Lloyd Wright. <laughs> That's N.T. right. So I've got the, my two uh, two people I read a lot. The two authors I, I respect the most, probably Frank Viola and N.T. Wright. And I just mistakenly said Frank Lloyd Wright, which would be interesting. I highly respected, respected architect, of course. But uh, 
those two people have influenced me a lot. Uh, those two writers. Uh, there are other people, some people I'm just getting into because of those writers. People that, especially Frank Viola has pointed me to. In fact, I, I would say Frank Viola pointed me to N.T. Wright uh, from his various quotes. Uh, he also put me on to two other writers that are very important. And those are Watchman Nee and also A.W. Tozer. And I've read multiple work, works by both of those uh, very, very godly deceased men. Uh, and they were just so far ahead of their time. I think this is going to be, I, I pray that this is the era where they are understood better than ever. Um, because, yeah, uh, their works are just phenomenal. And then, again, you know, connecting all of these authors together and the references that they make. Another person I've just started reading is, and I'm going to forget his name, it's going to be embarrassing because, all right, uh, it's going to take too long. Uh, I'll try to make a footnote at the bottom of this when I remember his name. Uh, anyway, he was a, a German uh, writer, all you guys are going to know I'm talking about. He was, he, he left Germany to, to get away from Nazism. I, I believe he went to England. But then his conscience got to him. The spirit called him back to Germany. He came back, was arrested, imprisoned, and executed in 1945, just at the tail end of World War II. Uh, he wrote numerous books and works and, and preached and he was a uh, Lutheran, Lutheran pastor, uh, and his works are also, and have influenced many, many uh, current preachers, theologians, uh, and Christians. And I'll get you his name. I'll hopefully, I'll remember before I get home here. Uh, okay, those are the main people there. Yeah. You know, there, there are current people in my life now who are, who are, uh, who have been put into my life or into my church who are stretching me in many ways. Uh, one is my good friend, Pat. He, uh, he is, uh, has been on a, a spiritual trajectory and he, he has, uh, been reading like a mad person. We meet, uh, weekly, if not bi-weekly to talk about spiritual things, um, other people in our group who are from different traditions than I am, who have stretched me to think uh, differently about the Holy Spirit uh, or about Scripture. Um, both of these writers uh, that I talked about, Frank Viola and N.T. Wright, wrote wonderful books on Jesus and the the need for a new perspective on Jesus, a, a, a kind of reawakening of his uh, prominence, uh, his preeminence in the church. Uh, I think a lot of times we've put church before Jesus, and that's probably, I would say, the source of another awakening that, that is been fairly recent for me is the the 
the need to put Jesus in the supreme place. Uh, and I think so many things take precedence uh, over him in the church. Uh, I would say the Bible, church leaders, preachers, the church itself can upstage Jesus. And so there is a, a big need in the church worldwide for Jesus to be placed squarely back on his throne, the throne that he bought with his blood. Uh, and today I would say that studying Jesus, being more grounded in the Gospels, reading books by authors whose purpose is to enlighten Jesus and to put him back, uh, as I said, on the throne. Uh, any author that does that, um, I am grateful to. Because there is no, there is no name that is higher, no, no person that is more worthy for our worship and our praise in our love, our devotion. Uh, and there really is, is no other way to under, understand Scripture, whether it's Paul, whether it's the Old Testament, whether it's the other New Testament writers. Uh, none of it can be understood. None of it can be understood without first understanding Jesus and who Jesus is and his place of preeminence in creation, in the universe, and therefore, of course, in the church. So I'm thankful for all of these uh, influences in my life. Uh, I continue to have influences. There are people I haven't mentioned, uh, people who are currently uh, speaking into my life. I have a spiritual life coach who I Skype with every two weeks. Shout out to Brandy. There is uh, another uh, older man who's speaking into my life uh, named John Peterson, who I see from time to time, uh, who is with 24-7 group. He is a, a fatherly or pastoral, pastoral figure who has taken an interest uh, in me, and I'm grateful for that. And I am open to, uh, and I try to be open to all voices, young or old, who have the Holy Spirit within them. And because of that fact and that fact alone are worthy to convey the heart of Jesus to me. And I would, I would open that up to all creation. So to all of, all of you who have influenced me over the years, I say thank you. Thank you for taking an interest in me, for, uh, for passing on the truths that the Holy Spirit gave you to give to me. Uh, and most of all, I'm thankful uh, to Jesus for uh, filling us with the Spirit so that, so that we can do good in your name in this way. And I pray that 
that all of us will be encouraged and um, motivated to speak into the lives of younger Christians. People who are less uh, mature than us or less knowledgeable than us. Continue to speak to them. And, and the biggest thing about speaking truth into people's lives, I think, is listening. And I, these people uh, listened to me and got to know me well, aside from authors, it's kind of difficult for them to do. Uh, but I think I think the best authors are probably spent a lot of time listening before they started writing and or speaking. Another shout out to Nomad Podcast. If you haven't listened to it, look it up. Nomad Podcast, a uh, group of uh, Christians in the UK who have been podcasting since 2009. Uh, I've uh, listened to, again, about 90% of their podcasts. Um, they have some great stuff. Uh, and thank you to all the other authors uh, whose books I have read that I haven't been able to mention. And that's all for today. I have just arrived home. This may turn out to be my longest yet podcast. And sorry for those who uh, didn't want to listen this long. Uh, but God bless you all. Have a great evening.